One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. Okay, so I want to talk to you about what a true believer is, right? How one Jesus demonstrated one person in the power of the Holy Ghost goes and shakes up the world, okay? And there's a heart position that Jesus demonstrated. There's a heart position that Jesus walked in. One of my favorite scriptures that the Lord started to reveal to me um, as he was you know, sending me to India and, and starting to do equipping ministry is uh, Isaiah 63 verse 4. It says, my father's vengeance is in my heart. And if you if you say the word vengeance in a religious setting, a lot of people think, oh, you're, you know, that's, you're just turn the other cheek, just be a nice guy. But the reality is the reason why many of you are powerless is because you don't understand vengeance. Okay? When, when the father gave his son to the world, it was because of the first prophecy way back in Genesis 3.15, okay? When Adam screwed up, guess what? The father didn't come and shame Adam. The father came and he looked at that serpent and he said, my son, the seed, will come and crush your head. I'm sending my son to recover my people. I'm sending my son to bring deliverance and healing in the supernatural. So Jesus wasn't just sent to deal with your bad stuff, the sin. He he came to awaken you to walk as sons of God with the same heart of Jesus that you also would walk with vengeance, right? And the the vengeance is not against the people. The vengeance is not against the sinner. The vengeance is against the enemies of God. Amen? Because there are enemies of God. Principalities and powers and rules of darkness, right? There is an enemy. And we're supposed to hunt him. We're supposed to pick fights with the devil. Amen? Anybody anybody like to pick fights with the devil? Come on, man. Is the right crowd? You like to pick fights with the devil? You see, that was was the mission statement of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to heal the brokenhearted, bring sight to the blind, set the captive free. Right? right? Do the supernatural. And the next line is, this is the day of vengeance. This is the day of vengeance. My God, when I got that when I got that revelation, I used to love to walk into the church that I was going to because you know what I would do? I'd sit in the back of the church, worship would be going on. I said, oh, Lord, give me a word. Who needs deliverance? Who needs healing? And I I pick people out and I'd go through the crowd as worship was going on and kabam! Casting out a devil, kabam, prophesying, people weeping on the floor. I loved it. Running out on the street. All right, Lord, sit in McDonald's. Who do you want to speak to, Lord? Kabam! Right? So we get plastered in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. Come on, man. Come on. One person that understands vengeance can literally shake up wherever nothing's safe. Amen? Amen. Nothing's safe. And so there's this promise to equip you, right? 
You know, there's a promise to equip you, but you have to have the right heart, the right expectation to use the equipping and the gifting that Jesus promised to come and send and give you. Amen? There's a scripture that I love when you start to understand that the vengeance of God is to deliver people, to set the captive free, to do the supernatural, to awaken the church to what they really are. There's a scripture in Psalm 58, 10. It says, the righteous shall rejoice in vengeance. They shall wash their feet in the blood of the wicked. That's that's the Lord. I want every deep demonic power. I want every prince. I, just like David said, I want the head of Goliath. I want the heads of my enemies. I want to bathe my feet in my enemy's blood. Show me some enemies baptized in the Holy Ghost. I got a heart filled with vengeance. What would the, what would this army look like? You see, this whole COVID thing is messing everything up. And, and one of the beautiful things that it's doing is it's ripping people out of dead places. People are having a revelation that, oh my gosh, that place is dead. I can't, I can't even go there anymore. But the revelation is, all right, Lord, if you're real, show me. Yes. Say that with me. Say, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Show me how real you are. Show me how real you are. Equip supernatural power. To cast out devils. I'm tired of dead church. Come on, I'm tired of dead church. (laughs) You see, the psalmist, David, right? David in Psalm 91, he says, only Psalm 91, verse 8, only with my eyes shall I see your vengeance. Only with my eyes. Just think about your mindset. Depression coming after me. Hopelessness coming after me. Sickness coming after me. Only with my eyes. Shall I see the vengeance of God? I'll come in you. You see, that's, that's, the, that's a warrior awakening. The tables are turned. No longer are you hunted. Amen. No longer are you hunted. You see, when somebody gets baptized the Holy Ghost and they say, oh my God, it says that I don't have to be inundated with brokenheartedness and pain and sickness. And I say, Lord, give me the name of my enemy. Give me the name of my enemy, just like David. I want the I want the head of Goliath. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I want his head. Yeah. Come on, man! I've been rolling out of bed ever since I wrote that last book three months ago. I roll out of bed. And I say, Lord, I want the head of the enemy of every person who is hunted in Rochester. Lord, I want the head of the enemy who hunt people in Kansas City. I want the head of the enemy who hunt the people in India. Lord, give me their heads. Yeah. Say that with me. Say, Jesus. Jesus. I want the heads, I want the heads of, every of every enemy that has hunted me. I declare I'm going to hunt them. I'm going to cut off their heads. I'm going to put it on the gate of Jerusalem for everybody to see as a sign. If you mess with me, I'm taking your head. Come on, church. You see, Jesus picks fights, baby. That's the Jesus I know. Jesus picks fights. Picking fights. Picking fights. My God, what would the church look like if you weren't a victim? Oh, 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 oh,
Amen. Woe is me. I need, I need somebody to help me. Come on, man. What would the church look like if you rolled out of bed and said, I'm ready for war? I'm ready for war. You see, the church of Jesus Christ has a different mentality. I don't care if you have a cross on your door. I don't care if you say you're Christian. I want to know who the living daylights you're kicking the gun gun out of. Huh? Come on, name your enemy. Who are you kicking the the daylights out of? You see, if you're not kicking the daylights out of somebody, you're you're somewhere in la-la land and a little bit of normalized worldly religion. Just coasting. Just keep going through the motions. Just going through the motions. You see, Jesus has a prophecy for all of us. In in Matthew uh, 16, I'm going to I'm going to read this scripture. In Matthew 16, verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, the others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? That's a big deal. I don't care what the rest of the world says. I want to know what you say. Do you know the God of vengeance? Do you know the God that says I will heal you? Do you know the God that says I will anoint you? Do you know the God that says I will baptize you in power? I will awaken you. I will turn your life around. I will set you on fire. I will make you burn so great that nothing will stop you. Nothing. Is that the Jesus you know? The God of vengeance. The God who said I'm prophesying that I'm sending my seed to crush the head of the enemy. Do you know him? He says, you are the Christ. Peter, right? You are the Christ. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Sana Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. That's what the real meaning of that word is. Meaning if you see the vision, he's already given you the answer. And if you prophesy the vision, you're releasing his will and you're going to dominate any place that you actually speak it. So whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, whatever you cast out, whatever you separate, whatever you drive out of people has already been because I show you a vision. Amen? You with me? I'm going to teach a lot about prophecy over the weekend and it's centered around the scripture. But the scripture is loaded with a promise that the church is meant to go pick fights. Okay? You see, the revelation of of Jesus Christ and who he is, he didn't say the word Jesus. He said, you are the Christ, meaning you are the anointing. You are the anointed one. What did Jesus send on the day of Pentecost? He sent the anointing. He sent the same power that was on him upon the church, upon the ones who did not look like the synagogue anymore. Stand up, sit down, go through your routine, sing, sing the first and third stanza, and out the door you go. They rolled out of the streets. In the power of the Holy Ghost, inundated with something from heaven, something that made them supernatural. Yeah. They said, Oh my God, they're drunk. And Peter said, No, we are 
baptized in power. We are anointed. This is Joel 2, 28. Dreaming dreams and prophesying and the supernatural pour out. Amen. We don't look like the dead thing anymore because we're baptized in power. We don't look like the synagogue anymore because we're baptized in power. Amen. Amen. So when Jesus turned back to Peter and he says, you're Simon Bar-Jonah. The word Simon Bar-Jonah means son of the dove. He was prophesying to Peter that I'm going to pour my spirit out upon you. And although you are afraid, although you shake in fear on the night of the crucifixion, I'm going to pour my spirit on you and you're going to go into the world and you're going to do the supernatural. I am going to make you what you couldn't make yourself. You see, there's a lot of charismaniacs that think they're baptized in the Holy Ghost, but they look like the dead thing right down the street with a cross on the door. So my question is, have you met the Christ? Have you been baptized in power and are so filled with the Holy Ghost that you can't be contained? You can't be limited. Come on, one person baptized in the Holy Ghost is an army, guys. One person to get the vision. One person to get the dream. Go to this city. Go to this nation. Go to that hospital and raise that dead guy. Did you get the vision of the Lord? Come on, is somebody with me in here today? You see, the interesting thing about Jesus picking the place for this to happen, Caesarea Philippi was the darkest place on earth. At the foot of, the, of Mount Hermon is what they called uh, the mouth of the devil. It's where they literally sacrificed children all the time to, 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 the, to the demon gods. And Jesus purposely went there to ask his followers, who am I? Right? Who am I? And when Peter had the revelation, you are the anointing, you are the Christ. The next thing that happened is this turning and saying, upon this rock I'll build my church. What was Jesus saying? You see, there's a lot of theology out there that says, well, they're talking about Peter. And Peter was the rock of the Catholic church. And Peter built this and Peter built that. And I'm here to basically tell you, I don't think that's true. I think what Jesus was saying, that I walked into the darkest place on earth. And I'm taking this ground. Because Mount Hermon, the very place of the fallen angels, the very place where the fallen angels came down on Mount Hermon, Jesus picked it out and said, I am the Son of God. I am the supernatural one. I am the one, and I'm going to take that mountain. And he says, upon this rock, right here, upon the darkest place of the earth, I'm going to build my church. There is nothing, nothing, nothing. And he's looking for one of you. He's looking for one of you to get so set on fire that says, oh my God, I'm a hot, got a heart burning with vengeance. Send me to the dark place. You see, when I started praying that prayer, the next thing I know, the Lord began to speak to me and I, I, I find myself in the middle of nowhere, India. In the middle of Hindu temples and praying for people. And I'll tell you a lot of those stories here over the next few days, but one person, it gets a dream. One person, it gets a vision. You're carrying his will. Yeah. You're carrying his will. That's right. That's Amen. Right. His will. Amen. It's about finding his will. And I want to tell you that the scripture is true. But his will for your life can only be found in you and between you and him. In the relationship where you knock on his door so powerfully that he says, this is what you are. This is what you're going to do. Yeah. Amen. Amen. 
And that's a scary thing for a lot of the church because a lot of the church is scripture-centered and Jesus is saying, I was Holy Ghost-centered. I am the anointed one. I am the one filled with power. I am the one that sees his visions and sees his dreams. I am the one who does the supernatural because I know the Holy Ghost. And everywhere the Holy Ghost sends me, baby, I'm ready to pick a fight. I am so ready to pick a fight. I am ready to set people free. Cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. Amen? Am I in the right place here? Has anybody ever cast the devil out here? Has anybody prayed for somebody and seen somebody get healed? Huh? Have, have, have you baptized? Have you laid hands on people and seen them baptized in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues? Am I in the right place? Amen. You see, because he promises, I'll give you the keys. And whatever you bind, whatever you bind, meaning that you are so in love with him in prayer that he has already revealed the victory to you in a vision. He has already revealed it to you in a dream. And you're willing to go because you know know the very promise at the very beginning, right? Genesis chapter 1, the light shines in the darkness. And what does darkness do? It actually resists the light, right? Did I say that right? Yeah, the darkness has so much power over the light. Am I saying that right? What is it? It says that the darkness did have an answer. It had no ability. It had no response to the light shining in the darkness. Are you with me, church? (laughs) Anybody feeling liberated tonight? And God, to caution you, sometimes I start to laugh and people fall out of their chair. So if it hits you, just roll with it. All right? I'm all pumped up, man. I could catch my breath for a second. <laughs> you see, he's equipping people with the same guts that Jesus Christ was equipped with. Right? Guts. Absolute guts. I mean, it's nice to paint Jesus in this picture as this lamb, but you know what? He's a lion on a throne. He dominates on a white horse. He has eyes of fire, robed in blood, word of God. His name, the living Christ, is the word. The guy who speaks out of heaven and promises to invade the very place where you prophesy. You know what that is? That's a picture of prophecy. The man risen from the grave on a white horse who promises if you prophesy my word, I will show up on my horse and I will cut off the heads of your enemies. I'm just looking for one person to know me so intimately that you know what I'm thinking. You know what I'm feeling. You know my heart. You know my vision for the place I'm sending you. I just need one hand. So I want to tell you about a dream. But first, I want to talk about a kind of famous guy that you guys probably already know about. Um, you guys are in the land of Finney, right? Yeah. You guys know Charles Finney? Yeah. See, I didn't really know Charles Finney until I had a dream. Back in 2015, the Lord gave me this dream, and he started to introduce to me to this guy named Nash. You know who Father Nash is? Yeah. Father Nash was the guy who would go into the city three or four weeks before Finney would go. And Nash was the one who beat down heaven's door, prayed in the Holy Ghost, got the vision of the Lord, and began to prophesy the victory that would happen in the place where Finney was coming. So the power wasn't in the preacher. The power was in the guy who prayed in the Holy Ghost. You see that trail of fire, that 100,000, right? That's a pretty big number, 100,000. 
You think that's in you? Yes. You think there's a hundred thousand souls, a hundred thousand people baptized, Holy Ghost, a hundred thousand people having demons cast out of them? Is that in you? Say, Lord. You see, the power wasn't necessarily in Finney. He had a pretty big thing to do with it, but the power was in Nash, and Finney knew it. Within six months, you guys, some of you guys know the story, right? Within six months of, of Finney, or within six months of Nash dying, Finney's ministry disappeared. All the revivals, it just disappeared, poof, gone. Why is that? In fact, Finney, Finney actually was interviewed. And he made this statement. I'm going to read it to you. He said, I never counted on theology, never counted on entertaining messages. I never worried about how to attract people, a preaching style who would be offended. I never worried about tactics needed to get people to come. Never considered watering down the message or coming up with worldly enticements to bring them in. We simply relied on the glory of God. They came when Nash prayed. When I arrived at the field that had already been plowed by violent prayer. They just came out. All I did was preach and they came. He goes on. Prayer shook the region and broke the group of darkness covering the people. They came from every direction to experience the glory that had come through the violent prayer of Nash. Right? Which leads me to what I want to talk to you about tonight. This was just kind of the warm-up. You pumped up yet? You ready? I want to talk to you about what the Lord came to me in a dream and gave me in a dream. Because in Joel 2.28, it's the heartbeat of what Jesus came to give, which is, I will pour out my spirit upon you. You will dream dreams, have visions, and you will prophesy. You will pour out the vision of Almighty God on the earth, and the earth will not be able to resist it. Amen? Amen. So in this dream, I'm just minding my business one day, 2015, all by myself, middle of the night. The Lord comes to me in this dream, and in this dream, I walk into the kitchen. Jesus is in there, he's got a big mixing bowl, right? And this big white Looks like mashed potatoes. I said, hey, what do you Mashed potatoes? He goes, no, no. These are mashed potatoes. I said, I said what, do you, what do you mean? He goes, these are mashed potatoes. I said, no, they look, they look like mashed potatoes. He goes, no, these are mashed potatoes. He made it very clear what he was making. Okay? And the next thing that happened was, I said, can I, can I taste them? Can I have a bite? And he takes a big scoop out. And at this point, I noticed that the mashed potatoes were floating like a cloud. And he puts it in my mouth. And when he puts it in my mouth, I started to float up um, in, um, um, against the ceiling of, of my home. And Jesus reaches up and he, he, he holds on to me. And he, he takes the, the rest of the bowl and he lifts the bowl up and he says, Take these. You're going to need these for the school, the school of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, he let go of me. And all I can tell you is the next thing, the next place I stood in was in heaven. And I was in a classroom, okay? It was a golden classroom. There were 30 30 chairs. It was like I knew there were 30 chairs in the classroom. 
and in walks this this man. He's blowing white hair, and he has he has this uh, name tag on him. It says Ezekiel, and he says, "I was sent to teach you about the prayers of Nash." And he pulls out this golden book, and written on the on the golden book it said the prayers of Nash. Okay. And I, I was like dumbfounded in the dream, and I, I try. I went over and I tried to pick up the book, but it was so heavy. He goes, "No, no, there's so much there. I have to feed you page by page." And he opens the book and he starts ripping pages out, crumbling them up, and feeding me the book. And the book got so heavy that I literally fell out of heaven, landed on the earth, and the earth shook, and I woke up. And man, I'm telling you what. The hair on my arms. I sat up in bed. And the Lord started to speak to me about going to the nations, baby. And I'm telling you what. The call that is upon this generation, the call that is upon you in this hour, is about the Lord reawakening the ability to pray supernaturally. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So the pattern that Nash used was he would pray and fast, right? You guys know the story. He would pray and fast, but there was a supernatural thing that Nash did when he prayed. Nash would pray in the Holy Ghost. Anybody here praying the Holy Ghost? Yes. Do I have anybody who's at least semi-awakened praying in the Holy Ghost? You pray like once in a while, just when you get to church, or is it your key weapon? They prayed, and then prophesied, and the supernatural came. They prayed, 
got a vision from the Lord, prophesied, and the supernatural came. They prayed. Come on. They prayed. They got a vision. They believed it so profoundly that they prophesied it, and the supernatural came. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? My God. Couldn't be that easy? Yes. My God, what if you you prayed like a madman? Come on, what if you believe it so much that you said, I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost till you speak to me and my house gets delivered, my school gets delivered, my city gets delivered. That I wake up every day with the vision of Almighty God, knowing where I'm going, knowing who I'm talking to, knowing who I'm going to deliver. My God, what would you look like? What if you really believed the pattern? What if you really shifted your life to pray in the Holy Ghost, expecting visions, to prophesy them, knowing he's going to send you to pick a fight? What would it look like? What would you really look like? What did Nash do? Nash believed. You know what? Nash was a broken man. The ministry, the religion that came to kill Nash was actually the most powerful thing that happened to Nash because in in Nash's brokenness, Nash learned to pray. Nash learned to pray through the night. Nash learned to pray day in and day out. And all all of a sudden when Nash was ready, the Lord said, I'm going to hook you up with fame and you're going to go shake a land. You're going to go shake a city. They're going to come out of the woodwork. Do you read the books? It says they come out of the of the highlands. They come out of the mountains. They come out of the pastures, not even knowing why, but they showed up and said, "I have to have what is coming." What if we learn to pray like that? What would we really look like? You see, I didn't understand that pattern, but I obeyed the Lord. In 2011, the Lord came to me and He says, "Actually, this is this is December 2011." He says. I want you to pray in tongues for six hours a day for one year. I went, what? <laughs> you spoken crack, man. No, that's a, that's a joke. I'm just having fun. <laughs> but that's a crazy thing. Who would say, come on, who, who would say, get away from me, devil? <laughs> that's not even possible. You know what? God doesn't call anybody to do something that's possible. If it was possible, you wouldn't need God. And that's what dead, powerless religion looks like. You think you can do it on your own, doing your same mundane, routine thing. You're not willing to follow him into the unknown, expecting him to do the supernatural in the impossible place. You see, Nash had to be led into brokenness. A church stole everything from him. Took away his pulpit. He was a broken man. And in the brokenness, he learned how to pray and pray and pray and pray. And suddenly, the Lord began to speak to him and awaken him and send him with a mission. I'm sending you to Rochester. I'm sending you to Syracuse. I'm sending you all around this northern part of New York. Right? What is it? Isn't it called the the the, the trail of fire? Is it? Is it that what this corridor is called? The what? The Burnover District? Yeah, a hundred thousand, right? Come on, you asked for a hundred thousand. You you ready? Yeah, you ready? So I'm praying in tongues six hours a day, and all I can tell you is when I started, I didn't finish the same way. 
When I started, I had never had an encounter with an angel. When I started, I had never had oil appear on my face and run down my face. When I started, I never shook in the presence of the Lord all night long. When I started, I couldn't stand in front of people and prophesy. But when I prayed in tongues, when he told me to, six hours a day, at the end of it, you could line up a hundred people for hours and hours and hours, and they would stand in front of me, and I would say the word of the Lord, and they'd weep and cry and be imparted with the Holy Ghost. His Holy Ghost praying through me opened something up in me that I couldn't open up on my own by trying to conform to the Bible. Yeah. You see, a lot of religious folk, when they start to feel guilty or shamed or lonely and hopeless and all that stuff that happens to us because we're people, they start to spend their time in the Bible. That's not a bad thing. But the Lord sent the Holy Ghost. Jesus sent the Holy Ghost. And he said, I will baptize you in supernatural power. And the Holy Ghost will make you something that you can never make on your own. You see, there's a lot of people trying to read that thing. I'm trying, I'm like a menu. I'd really like to have that. I'd really like to do that. I kind of believe in the book of Acts. I, I want it, but I never saw it and never did it. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to baptize you in power if you hold on to me with all your heart. I'm going to give you something that you couldn't do. I'm going to make you something that you couldn't do. I'm going to make you and pull the destiny out of you. Yes. Amen. Right? Amen. In the book of Ecclesiastes, I think it's chapter 3, it says that destiny is locked in the heart of man, and only Jesus, the Holy Ghost, can unlock it. You see, you can't read that thing. You can't read that thing on your own and think you're going to achieve it. You're going to make yourself look like it. You're going to stop doing this so that you can become this. The only thing that can make you and pull the destiny out of you is the Holy Ghost. And Jesus already gave it, and he's waiting for somebody to hold on to the Holy Ghost so profoundly that you become something supernatural, something that didn't exist before. Come on, man. You see, when I look at you, I see an army. I don't see a bunch of people just sitting in a chair. I see people ready to stand up, ready to charge the gates of hell, knock down the gates of hell, and let open the people who are in the confined zones. Yeah, coming blind in the spirit, not knowing who they are. That's what I see. I see an army. I see an army. I see an army. You see, after I went through the season of obeying his voice and praying supernaturally for six hours a day and being taken to heaven countless times, being equipped supernaturally with giftings of the Holy Spirit, and then being sent to pray for people to be equipped with the Holy Ghost, I couldn't take any credit. There was no religious credit I could take other than believing that the Lord asked me to do something, to trust him with his Holy Ghost and let him make me something that I could never make on my own. Amen. Say this, say, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. awaken the gnash in me. I know there's a gnash in me. Ask me to do something and I'll do it. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. You see, when after that year, that supernatural experience, I had a dream. I'll, I'll talk a lot about this later in the, in the sessions, but the Lord came to me and said, a man from India is going to call you. Go. And the rest is history. I said, yes. 
150,000 Hindus that did not know the Holy Ghost now pray in tongues. 6,000 pastors. 6,000 pastors who did not know the Holy Ghost now pray in tongues and shake and vibrate in the presence of the Lord. I can tell you stories for days about supernatural things that happen just by saying, yes, Lord, I'll go to the place you send me. Right? Say this, say, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Show me where. You're giving me the keys to bind and loose and to release the supernatural to reveal the real Jesus. And I'll do it. You see, this whole dream about Nash, it was like just the beginning of a world of understanding the ways of the Spirit. You see, the church is actually supposed to have the same pattern as Pentecost. Instead, we have all these other patterns. And you know, you know what I mean. Why do you, why do you come out of dead religious places? All these patterns. Stand up, sit down. Say the doxology. Ten Hail Marys and off the door you go. And you know, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Huh? You know what I'm talking about. But the pattern is the same as the pattern on the day of Pentecost. In fact, Paul as a father is so heartbroken over the church. He, he weeps and cries over what he sees in Galatia and, and, and Ephesians and some of these places. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, I wish you all prayed in tongues even more than you prophesied. Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts even more than you prophesy. Why? Because it's a pattern. You fall in love, you pray in the Holy Ghost. He gives you vision which equips you to prophesy and the rest is history. And that's what he tried to explain in the whole chapter. He says, he starts to talk about tongues and people understanding tongues or not understanding tongues, but simply trusting that you pray in the Holy Ghost and the supernatural happens. Right? Verse, verse, 20, verse 22, 23, for those of you who have your Bible looking, he says, when the unbeliever walk in the church and those, who've got, those guys who've been praying in tongues get visions for the new guys and they get words of knowledge. They zero in the prophetic and they say, the devil has you bound here but the Lord is awakening you up there and you cast the devil out of a person you get them baptized the Holy Ghost and they're sitting there shaking. They know that they weren't convinced by religion that they had to believe in Jesus. The Holy Ghost himself came through man. Come on, are you, are you with me? The Holy Ghost himself came through a man, speaking the words of Christ, the word, right? The guy on the white horse, robed in his blood, eyes of fire, that guy. Right. He didn't right. speak scripture, right? He's not speaking scripture. He's actually saying, I'm speaking to you the word of the Lord, and this is what the Lord says to me. And they're like, I don't know why I'm shaking. Why am I crying? Oh my God. Oh, oh Jesus is real. Jesus is real. Jesus is real. You see, God bless all those guys that spend all their time trying to convince you philosophically about what Scripture means and what this doesn't mean and all that stuff. And Jesus is saying, why don't you just trust in me and pray in the gift I give you and believe that I can make you something that all this religious stuff could never make you. What would you look like? What would this warrior church look like? Who said, you know what, we're, we're wiping the slate clean. No more routine religion. No more three songs. No more God preaching. No more of this stuff. We're going to come together and pray. We're going to come together and pray. We're going to come together and pray. And all of a sudden, just 
wife, Penny, and Ryan. People start walking in off the street. I don't know why I'm here. I just was brought in here. And somebody says, I don't know why. I'm going to work for you. I'm going to work for you. And it's not the side. And it's supernatural. It's supernatural. We feel Jesus. And you don't have to convince people of it. Jesus does it for you. Jesus does it. Tell your neighbor, Jesus does it. Don't be a philosopher. Come on, look at him. Tell him, don't be a philosopher. Let Jesus speak through you. Let him speak through you. Take any credit for. Amen. I can't take any credit. 
I cannot take none. I used to stand in front of people and speak and I'd shake, my knees would shake and sweat would run down my face. I hated to speak in front of people. I couldn't even write. When I was in college, my wife used to laugh at me because I couldn't spell. That's no joke. But somehow I get baptized the Holy Ghost and books come out of me. I get sent to places. I get sent to do things that I couldn't do myself because I met the God of the impossible. I met the God. I met the God who does what he says he does in the Bible right here today. I don't look at him as a history lesson. I look at him as what he's going to do today. Ask your neighbor, are you excited? Are you excited about today? You're going to be set on fire. There's someone coming out of you that never, has never been seen before. Amen? Amen. Everybody all right? Yeah. You see, back to the story, Jesus taking the disciples, the powerless ones, to the darkest place on the earth and prophesying over them that you're going to have the keys of the kingdom. You're going to be given supernatural weapons. And the dark place is going to be the place that I'm sending you to. Because back to the mashed potatoes. Okay? There is, there is a conclusion to this. <laughs> it's like, where this, where's this guy going? You see, the next thing Jesus did is he walked the disciples. He walked Peter, James, and John up Mount Hermon. He took them to the top, and it says that he started to glow. He was transfigured before their eyes as the cloud came down and the voice spoke out. Jesus would have made something supernatural before their eyes. Right? Are you, are you getting the picture? I've come to feed you mashed potatoes, church. I've come to take you to a place where the cloud has promised to speak to you. I've come to take you to a place where Jesus says, if you eat this, you will be made supernatural. The cloud, right? The cloud, the mashed potatoes, the cloud. Right? Because as that cloud came and spoke, even Jesus was made different. You see, every time the cloud comes and speaks, what you are in this season, he comes and speaks and makes you something new, something bigger, something stronger, something faster for the next season. What you weren't before doesn't matter. It's what you hear come out of the cloud. Are you with me? Are you with me? You see, I see a golden room filled with chairs. I see Ezekiel walking in the room with a book that says the prayers of Nash. The Nash potatoes begin to be fed to the body of Christ, right? And you begin to believe that if you get up the mountain, that you're going to be transfigured, right? If you can get up the mountain, you know the quickest way to get up the mountain? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Right? If you pray in the Holy Ghost, you transcend every limitation of the earth. Right? Amen. And you are made something you weren't before. Every time you hear him, every time you hear his voice, every time you hear his voice, it's like Lego blocks. That's what that's what that word means. The voice came out of the cloud. It, it, it's the Greek word Lego. He actually builds you. Right? You start out as a simple block. And then you're made a one-story building. 
And every time you hear him, you pursue him in supernatural prayer. He makes you a two-story building. Then he makes you a four-story building. Pretty soon you're this skyscraper dominating the, 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 land, the landscape. Because you pursue and pursue and pursue like Nash pursued. And you speak and suddenly the whole horizon looks different. It looks different because instead of looking up, you're looking down. Right? right. Amen. Amen. Yes. You with me? Yes. Good. Good. Yes. Amen. So, I had this vision this morning. I was in prayer. Imagine that. <laughs> I was asking the Lord about Rochester. I've been asking the Lord a lot this week about Rochester. And I see, a, a, you know those snow globes? Yes. I, I saw this dome over top of Rochester. The snow is falling, looks elegant, like this great picture scene. And all of a sudden, the Lord writes this name on top of a snow globe that says Camelot. I said, what, do you mean? What, are you, what are you saying, Lord? He goes, that's what's limiting this region. Camelot. It's a fantasy land. It's a, it's a land that's hidden inside of itself. You know, Camelot was a place where you know, it was it was a fictitious fantasy, right? Camelot's a place where it's the Knights of the Round Table, and all these men are able to rule the, the countryside, and everybody is given an awesome thing. And the reality is that's a lie, right? Camelot's a fantasy. Camelot's a lie. I'm like, okay, well, what are you going to do? I want you to break the snow globe. I want you to smash the snow globe. I want you to smash the fictitious view that you are called to go into the church to feel nice and pretty every Sunday and just go through the motions and just be a good little Christian. I want you to break it. I want you to break it. I want you to break it. Because I'm awakening my warrior bride that they are going to go to war that they're not expecting to be kept and be have this nice little Camelot thing. I'm awakening my bride to go to war. I'm awakening my bride to go to war. So I prophesy that over you. The Camelot is over. The fictitious fantasy is over. Whatever you accepted as a lie of just getting through life, it's over. You're going to go to war. The Lord is calling you to eat the potatoes, eat the mashed potatoes, and to go to war. He's asking you to pray in the Holy Ghost, and pray in the Holy Ghost, and pray in the Holy Ghost, until you hear, until you cast out devils, until you get visions for your neighbor, until you decide that you are going to pick fights every day of your life. And you're not going to let depression rule you. You're not going to let oppression rule you. You're not going to let the poverty of your forefathers rule you. You're not going to let what the enemy defined your life to be because you know your father. He's a God in you. He has a God in you. He has a God in you. And you run to the arms of the father where he speaks to you, where he puts his cloud on you and transfigures you into something that you never were before. That guy that used to be impoverished, that guy that used to be oppressed, that lady that was woe is me all the time. What the heck happened to her? Oh my God, she, she met the Holy Ghost. She learned to pray. She learned to overcome. She learned to cast out devils. Say this with me. Say, Holy Ghost. Give me the name of the Prince. Give me the name of the ruling spirit that has hunted me, that has ruled over me, that has cursed me. I want the weapons of war. 
What would it look like if your men's groups and your women's groups? Oh my God, Jill, are you ready for Tuesday night? Oh, I'm ready, baby. Oh, I've been praying. I've been, I've been praying. I've been praying. And you come, and you're like, oh my God, there's like 10 people, and you start praying and praying, and there's vision, and you have that demon that made Nancy delirious for 10 years. You get that demon out of her. And then you go to Jill, and then you go to Bob, and then you go to Nancy, and you just, what after the next? You declare war on the enemies of God. Instead of sitting around there and going, Oh, I hope you feel better, Nancy. <laughs> oh, I hope you feel better. Jesus loves you. Come on, Jesus loves you. Just get by. Just get by. No, you're going to be all right. No, Nancy, get over here. In the name of Jesus, you come out, come out, come out, come out in Jesus' name. No more, Nancy, to you. Do we let you be oppressed? No longer. No longer. Yes. Instead of whispering in the darkness behind her back and saying, Oh my God, all she does is whine and cry. Oh my God, all she does is whine and cry. Is she ever gonna? Is she ever gonna? So don't you anymore say, Ooh, poor Nancy. She's never gonna get over it. Come here, Nancy. In the name of Jesus. Oh my God, I got a name. In the name of Jesus. You evil demon, come out. What would this group look like? Amen. See, deliverance has come to this place because Jesus came to break the snow globe. He came, he came to break the lie of just getting by and surviving. He came to anoint you in the Holy Ghost and power. And he says in Mark 16, in my name, these signs will follow you. You will cast out devils. You will heal the sick. You will raise the dead. You will do the supernatural. You will prophesy. You will pray in tongues. You will be spiritual. You will be spiritual. You will be my sons and daughters. Instead of just, oh, I'm just going to get by. I'm just going to get by. Hope they sing a good song. Hope they sing a good song today. I hope they sing my favorite. Anybody with me? In the sweet by Are you with me? There's a big difference between a religious guy and a warrior. A major difference. That scripture in that book, and if you read the front cover of the book, Proverbs uh, 20, 22, 21. The warrior filled, the warrior filled with wisdom will ascend the high place, and they will wreak vengeance on the enemies of God. That's the prophecy. That's the prophecy that the warriors would ascend the high place, get the word of the Lord. And they would release the vengeance of God upon the region. That's right. That's what it says. That's right. Regional. It said this, say, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. I'm making you a promise to climb the mountain, to get to the place where I'm transfigured, where I want the names of my enemies. I want the names of the enemy of my friends, of my boss, of the policeman. Of the pastors. <laughs> Come on, man. They need deliverance too. Everybody needs deliverance. Everybody needs deliverance. 
The Lord spent at least five years getting me delivered. You don't, you don't want to know me before being baptized in the Holy Ghost. He had to do a work in me. Night after night, we're going to get this one out. We're going to get this one out. We're going to get this one out. And there's no way that I would be going to places to baptize people in the Holy Ghost like this if I hadn't gone through a season of before I cast devils out of people, I was casting devils out of me. I feel, I feel the victory of Christ coming in this room right now. I feel a wind coming through this room right now. Did you feel that shift? Did you feel that shift? Oh my God. Oh my God. Did you feel that shift? I feel the wind. I feel the baptism. I, I believe there's a fresh baptism in here right now. There's people who are going to be made something that you never heard before. You never imagined it. You're going to be baptized like Peter. Oh my God. I'm drunk. Oh my God, what is that? That's the Holy Ghost. Come on, man. Say Holy Ghost. Thank you for getting the religion out of me. Send the wind. Send the fresh wind of the Holy Ghost upon me right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. Fresh wind, guys. Fresh wind. Fresh wind, guys. Come on, the fresh wind of the Holy Ghost is coming in here, and he's going to make you something that you never were before in the name of Jesus. He's going to make you something that's going to make you supernatural. He's going to make you something that you could never, ever imagine or conceive on your own in the name of Jesus. He's going to make you something that literally makes the world tremble when you walk into the room. When you walk into a place, because the wind is upon you, because the wind that's on you comes upon those that surround you. Amen? Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.